Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Alex McLaren. I'm an actor, and I've worked as a communications coach since 2002. Now so much business is being conducted remotely, the ways in which we talk, present, build relationships and connect is changing. In this podcast, I want to explore all those issues and prove to you that no matter who you are, you can talk to anyone. Hello and welcome to You Can Talk to Anyone, the podcast in which we open the bonnet on our communications engine. I'm Alex. And I'm Tom. And this week we wanted to talk about, uh, this is an interesting bit of communication. We don't just talk to each other verbally. There's a whole load of other stuff around it as well. So this week we're talking about table manners, about eating and drinking and how we build connections with it. And so the first question I wanted to ask you, Tom, is what, what were the rules um, that you learned when you were little? Um, uh, where, did, where did it all begin for you in terms of table manners? I don't remember table manners in our house being something that was a source of strife. Uh, I was a fussy eater, so getting me to eat what was on my plate was quite often a challenge. But the way in which I ate it, I don't remember that being something which I fought with my parents over. I do remember Deborah, when she was very much younger and working as a nanny, organising the Table Manners Olympics uh, for children whose (laughs) table manners were particularly poor. Uh, This was an early example, Alex, of what is now referred to as gamification. Ah, yes, yes. (laughs) Motivating people to do something they don't want to do by turning it into... A competitive activity. Yeah. I mean, the reason I'm, I'm asking, thinking about it, sort of where it all starts, is of course that everybody's household is different. Um, I am trying to remember whether, for example, in my house, okay, I've, those who don't know me, I have three brothers um, and no sisters. So it was basically a, a sort of a table full of six. I can't remember whether we always said grace, despite the fact that we were very much a kind of a part of a big Catholic family. And we always would say grace at school when we were having school dinners, but we never, I don't remember us doing it at home. And yet, I suppose in theory, I think of saying grace as an extremely good idea. I've never done it. <laughs> Certainly not in, in, in my own adult life, so, you know, so, uh, with, with my son, partly because I'm not a, a believer. No, I think of saying grace as something I, I saw on television in American movies. Yes. So we see, and I think we see what goes on in other spaces and that uh, sort of later. So you kind of, you, you kind of, you have the way you do things and then we see that it's not absolutely standard um, everywhere. Um, I remember in, in the house I grew up in, the, the fuss was always about, so there were general rules. The plates always had to be hot when they hit the table. 
That was the sort of a general rule. And the other thing is, I don't know why they were like this, but I don't know whether it was my mum or my dad, but they were fanatical about the wine glasses being immaculately polished before they went anywhere. If they went into the, if they went onto the shelf, they had to be polished first, and they had to double check them before they hit the table. Um, but again, these are kind of quirks, partly to do, for example, the hot plates was to do with the fact we had an arga, and so you could always do that. And so it certainly was something, wasn't something that you would sort of transfer and insist on when you were eating somewhere else. I suppose that also there's an, uh, 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 there's this element that there are that there are right and wrong ways of doing this, and that's all in inverted commas, by the way. Of course, there aren't. There's just kind of cultural norms, and those things vary sometimes very widely, even within a kind of a, 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 a one specifically ostensibly culture. You know, your family will do things very different from my family, despite the fact that we're both. English speakers raised in the UK. Um, and, uh, and then of course, if you go somewhere like it, or if you see practice from other nations entirely, even in kind of, you know, an English speaking country like America, you know, you see patterns of doing things, which seem very, very alien, um, and might affect how comfortable you feel. There is a famous episode of Doctor Who, uh, called the Talons of Wang Chiang, which is problematic for all sorts of reasons, but <laughs> this is not problematic. The Doctor's travelling companion at that time, fairly newly travelling with him, is Leela, uh, the simple savage girl. And they've gone to Victorian London. Uh, and she is spending uh, the night, I think. Uh, she's staying with Professor Lightfoot, who is a Victorian gentleman. And his housekeeper's left out some food for them. And Leela is hungry. And so she sees this enormous joint of beef or something and promptly picks it up with both hands and begins gnawing at it. <laughs> now, Professor Lightfoot is an English gentleman. So on the one hand, he would never dream of eating his food in this way. But on the other hand, the one thing that was instilled into him from birth is the importance of politeness. Yes. So in order not to make his guest feel uncomfortable, he picks up a piece of meat in his bare hands and begins chomping into it as well. In exactly the same way. It's wonderful. No, this is a, I've, I've heard versions of this story in all kinds of different contexts. And in fact, I remember one version being told to me about Her Majesty the Queen, and I can't believe that it's, uh, I mean, it feels like one of those like urban, urban myth stories that you can, you can transplant in all sorts of situations to teach some kind of moral lesson that uh, although manners matter a lot, um, making people feel welcome matters more. For example, when people come around my house in Beechgrove in Lancashire, it was the kettle would instantly hit the hot side of the Arga. So there was always an offer of tea instantaneously. And, if, and, and in fact, I remember at one point, so my parents would, um, they were teachers of the French horn and violin. And so on Saturday mornings, one thing that we had to do was as kids, we had to play host to peep to the students' mums and dads who would drive their cars over, over stick, you know, little Tarquin or Olivia in the front room with one of my parents, and we heard them popping away. And then we would, we then have them sitting on our sofa in the big kitchen where we'd instantly have to offer them tea or coffee. And I remember this almost being a Saturday job because it just went on half hour after half hour after half hour. And so the hospitality became something that we became very used to. Um, so that was kind of standard, and it happens in my house still. You know, you come around my house, the kettle will go up. Uh, not always food. Maybe maybe we'd, we'd offer them biscuits, but we'd get through them at a rate of knots if we did. Your place? I think we used to have toast and marmite when we came home from school. And uh, so if we brought a friend home, then that would be offered as well. 
And I think we were very much expected to look after our own friends and, and not to yes. play host yes. to any stray adults who happen to be passing. <laughs> you look after the other kids and the grown-ups. Yes. Um, I'm always thinking about this uh, sometimes in a professional context. I remember, I don't remember where I came across this, was that there was the, the rule was that if somebody does offer you a cup of tea or coffee, regardless of whether you've just had one or whether you just don't fancy one, you always say yes. Um, and uh, I think that's probably quite good advice. What do you think? Yes, I agree. Uh, my, you certainly haven't been offered anything which the host isn't prepared to give. Yes. Uh, and so why turn it down? Yeah, I mean, and, and even if you end up leaving most of it, uh, it isn't necessarily, you know, you don't have to submit yourself to drinking tea that you don't want to drink. You there know, may be you a convenient to... potted plant into which you could deposit <laughs> the contents of the cup if that's required. <laughs> And I have known that happen again in a professional <laughs> context in which there's this kind of this real understanding of, uh, of we're going to have that the, 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 the breaking bread together is something which is going to be good for the relationship. And so even if you don't personally feel hungry or thirsty, you still go through the process. And I think maybe one reason why I'm curious about this is that it also introduces this, uh, one of the, 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 the difficulties of building relationships is there's almost Maybe I'm not going to have to quite tell the truth about whether I genuinely want a cup of tea right now. What's more important is that in big sort of neon letters, I want to have a cup of tea with you. Yes. <laughs> or you have offered me tea and I am so grateful for your generosity. You know, that there's, that there's almost there's a, there's that element of ambiguity about it, which I think makes these things quite complicated. Yeah, and who we eat and drink with and when we do that is very important. We've talked before in this podcast about tribalism about the way that we tend to find people with whom we have a specific thing in common and be that gang together mm. and that that has a negative side as well because the gang that stays together has got to also keep people who are not part mm. of that group out and so there's a theory that this accounts for religious dietary restrictions mm. Yeah. If you are a member of a group that only eats certain kind of food and I'm a member of a group with different rules or no rules, then I can't eat with you. Mm. And if I can't eat with you, I can't ever be really part of your gang. Yeah. I'm trying to think of occasions where I've actually been on the, the outside of that. I mean, I suppose, I mean, I eat practically everything. So... It's very seldom that you'll be having something and I think, oh, I can't join you at the table. Um, but I have, I've, I mean, very much, uh, and in fact, more so these days um, in which I have to always check, um, particularly as vegetarian, uh, vegan friends, you know, what, what things I'm, I have to think about what I'm going to prepare when people are coming around to eat at my house in a slightly different way. And occasionally with some people, I have to think about not including any kind of pork. But then I'm varying. I, I I very much want to build a tribe that can include absolutely everybody, which is why yes. I'm checking in with all those people as well. Yeah, I suppose if there were things which I very definitely did not want to eat, um, I kind of I suppose I when you're talking about dietary preferences, I'm also thinking about likes and dislikes because I want my guests to know that they're going to have a, a something that they can definitely enjoy. Yes, although individual preferences or even things like allergies are not markers of anything else. Yes. Someone who doesn't eat yeah. pork, even though it would be perfectly healthy for them to eat pork, mm. doesn't eat pork because of something else which unites that person with other people yeah. that that person may never have met, but they'll instantly have that thing in common. Uh, I don't see people who are lactose intolerant 
uh, or have celiac disease, mm. finding common ground in the same way. Yeah, it's funny. This this sort of tribal sort of this also the historical dimension I think is relevant as well because we are talking about this in, in from a specific place and at a specific time in which really you and I don't really have to worry too much about whether we're going to go hungry or not, and that is yes. simply not true of uh, of many people today and uh, and certainly of uh, people through history. I'm thinking of a kind of also the legacy of. Um, certainly my parents' parents who had to live through a period of food rationing in which the the idea that you might, you know, how you shared the food and drink in with the people around you was uh, so it had much, much more meaning because the resource itself was slightly limited. Um, and, uh, and, and I think uh, also that the idea that if we don't know each other and that we're going to share the same food, it's going to be, it will, we'll, we won't actually poison each other. <laughs> um, because we don't do that to people that we love, except I did once. Um, really? Yeah, no, by accident. Then. <laughs> oh yes, I assume I, I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't think this was some sort of weird Phantom Thread style situation. No, 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 no. It was more like that than anything else. No, I did some uh, some stuffed mussels for some mates when I was at drama school, and then we all tucked in because we were all as greedy as each other. But the weird ones were eaten just by my guests and not by me, so it looked really suspicious because they both had absolutely <laughs> terrible uh, stomach reactions to it, and uh, in a way that I didn't. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. That is certainly ill-mannered, but... uh... (laughs) Coming back to table manners, it does seem to me that uh, this is all kind of part of this veneer, okay? Mm. Uh, Politeness is sort of ritualized. Mm. At the end of a meeting, we're supposed to say, thank you very much for your time. The other person says, not at all, thank you for coming. And these are just sort of all meaningless noises which we're Mm. expected to make. Uh, And there's a cultural dimension to that as well. And I think the challenge is to obey all of these norms and to have that veneer in place, to know which meaningless noises it's appropriate to make at any given time, and at the same time to try and start going beneath that mm. and start trying to find something which is really authentic and honest and where you can actually get to know somebody and bond with them. And you know, if that means picking up a hunk of meat and uh, uh, eating it with your bare hands, so be it. And if, if it means holding your friend's hair back uh, as they <laughs> relieve themselves of your muscles... <laughs> So be yeah. it. Yes, yeah, so that, that candid element goes right to the heart of it as well. I think the the have you ever come? You don't know if you've 
if you learn this and you're little, I don't know that we did, but that phrase family hold back when you've got a bigger crowd sitting around your table. And uh, and the point is that we have to make sure that it doesn't all get eaten up before the guests have had sufficient. And so you you kind of you whisper FHB as if nobody knows what it means. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and you know, of course, then there'd be the, there's a risk of this competitive politeness in which your guests. But no, 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 please, we wouldn't dream of eating you out of house and home. Um, but that 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 question is something which you find, I certainly see it coming up in. Uh, in, in fictions where people are uh, short of food, uh, the, the, uh, the the way they talk about the Cratchit's Christmas dinner is, uh, is is really touching because they're kind of trying to make something very, very small go a long, long way. All right, let me ask you something really specific. Yeah, go on. All right, so if you were an American mm. and you had in front of you, let's say, a, 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 some chicken and mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. what you would do, Alex, I believe, <laughs> is you would pick up your knife and fork and you would cut your chicken into bite-sized pieces, holding the fork in your left hand and the knife in your right hand. You would then put the knife down. Get rid of this. Transfer awkward the fork knife. to your right hand <laughs> and use your dominant right hand, if assuming you are right-handed, uh, to spear bits of chicken and to scoop up bits of mashed potato. Yeah. I don't think that's what you do. It's not what I do. It's certainly not what I do. And it, it, what I, I do is it, I, I steady the chicken using the fork in my left hand, I carve a piece off with the knife in my right hand, and then I mm. use the fork to carry the chicken to my mouth. Is that what you do? Um, that is, I suppose, generally, when, I, when I'm, I'm not thinking about this much in a con- conscious way, but yes, that is probably what I would do. Or, now let's um, turn I to the mashed even... potatoes. <laughs> yes. So picture yourself now, the plate of mashed potatoes, fork I'm in your doing. left hand, knife in your right hand. Can you visualise what you're doing with those implements? Yes, I know exactly what I'm doing with them. Which way I'm, up is your fork? Uh, my fork is um, is is going over the top um, uh, with the tines hitting the plate as uh, in order to skewer a piece of chicken. And then no, with no, my no, knife... I- <laughs> ignore the chicken, mashed potatoes. Oh, no, I'm shoveling my fork if I'm eating mash. Um, uh, so your and, fork and, is, is being used as a spoon. It is. Uh, it's, you're uh, yes, you're it loading is. mash into the concave side. Yes, and I, I was ticked uh, off is... for that um, <laughs> yes. as, a, uh, as a teenager, I think. Although I think that probably that ban has generally receded rather than only in my own but case. Would you if agree? you look around the table, you see yeah. everyone else uh, is using the fork, its convex side uppermost, and mm. moving mashed potatoes onto the back of it. Do you adopt the same procedure or do you just carry on doing what you're used to? That's a very good question. I think it would depend on the circumstances in the company. <laughs> I mean, so I, what I would, I think, I think in my heart of hearts, I would want to convert the table to a much more um, asterisk and obelisk, Gaulish feast way of thinking about this meal together. So uh, they would be far too busy enjoying their chicken and mashed potatoes than worrying about something ostensibly trivial like which way up your fork is. Um, if I felt that there was there was a sort of I didn't know people particularly well and felt that it would have been bad form to try to whip them into doing things my way um, then yes I might feel myself uh, more pressure to yield to the way everybody else was doing it I think how about you now I, I tend to there's a, there's a couple of families that I know who will always have the fork <laughs> uh, pointing down not used as a, as a spoon. Uh, and I try to do it that way, even though that's not what I was taught. My, yes, my parents no, no. Were, were not sufficiently you. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and that's yes. not, not the way I was taught to do it. But I, well, I do attempt to sort of code switch my table manners to yes. suit the people around me. 
Yes, no, I think I think I think like most code switching, it happens unconsciously, so you don't necessarily you don't you don't have rules which you'd follow. But, but all that stuff is is extraordinary. I mean, I was the the I can't remember where I came across this, but uh, apparently the queen won't peel a banana and eat it. She'll uh, she'll cut the skin off, um, slice it into lumps, and then eat it with a fork. Okay, and which is, uh, I mean, and I, can, I suppose I can imagine sort of an absurd social climber imitating this as if it was a good way of, of going about <laughs> your existence. But it did make me think about there is sometimes there is the opposite rule. So if you are um, an American politician campaigning in New York and somebody brings you a slice of pizza or a piece of pizza and you take out a knife and fork and eat it, you're, that's it. You're kind of you're socially dead as far as uh, Manhattanite is concerned, because the way to eat a slice of pizza is to yeah. basically fold it in two on the paper plane, stuff it in your mouth on Broadway, um, and anything else is considered absolutely ridiculous. It is a weird minefield. Ed Miliband's entire political career was essentially detonated because he awkwardly ate a bacon sandwich. Yeah, exactly. And the, I mean, and some bacon sandwiches are sort of properly shaped so that they're impossible to eat in any other way. Yes. And I think, and in fact, I think in some ways the advance in our lifetime of fast food and street food into a slightly more acceptable um, way of doing things, I think, has slightly changed the way we think about the practice of how we eat stuff. Um, you know, we, we grab sandwiches. I mean, if you look at, I remember seeing a picture recently of a sandwich shop in the 1960s um, and the paucity of the filling in the sandwich is <laughs> completely different from what you'd see today. And nowadays, there is, there is we, we constantly go out for food all of the time in a way that we never would, even when I was a child. That's definitely become a kind of a, a big thing and that's changed the way we think about what's a, sort of a standard way of, uh, of sharing food with others. Eating at your desk, for example, yes. I think is uh, uh, is, a, is something which would never have happened, which definitely does now, in the, certainly in the UK, although less so in uh, France. And there's a real so combat. That there. makes me think of another situation. So we talked about I'm going to see a client and they ask if I would like tea or coffee. And I agree with you. I think the answer is yes. Uh, what about, uh, and actually this, this happened to me yesterday. Hmm. Uh, I was meeting a client, and actually they they had come to me, so it was sort of my territory. But we both got there early, and my client uh, had got there with a bag from Pret. Right, bringing the sandwiches. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, if you're the client, do you eat and damn the consequences? Do you go? Oh, it's not appropriate to eat now and put the sandwich away. Uh, if you're me, do you encourage the eating uh, <laughs> and not expect the the actual meeting proper to start until the eating is over, or what do you do? How do you how do you handle that from either direction? Um, okay, so if you show up at my place with your lunch and you haven't eaten it yet, then I definitely want you to tuck in, um, and uh, and I'll encourage you to do so, um, and I'll and I'll probably check: Would you like to eat and then talk, or would you like to eat and talk? And I'll be basically trying to deformalize it as much as possible so that all options are on the table and people can simply go with what's most comfortable for them. What did you do? Yeah, more or less that. Uh, hmm. He was talking quite a lot, and I was aware that he couldn't talk and eat. Yes, so, so you had to fill when, in. <laughs> yeah, so when I saw an in, I just sort of started yeah. talking and hmm. not doing what I'd normally do, because I didn't know this person particularly well, not doing what I normally do and asking lots of questions, but yes. trying to monologue yes. <laughs> in order that he didn't have to respond and therefore could finish his sandwich. Yeah, P pitch the arc with each mouthful and swallow so that you're <laughs> yes. kind of, you're just coming to a perfect Oscar Wildean conclusion just as he's got time to come back. Yeah, no, I think this, it's, and that's relevant. Okay, so here we are. We're, we're recording this remotely. 
And this is so. This was your meeting yesterday. Was an in-person meeting. It was, yes, a very rare in-person meeting. But uh, that's exactly what happened. So here I am, um, uh, and I've got a packet of big old stumps, and I'm opening them. <clears throat> uh, and of course, I can't offer you one. No. Um, and so, the, is there an etiquette for eating and drinking on Zoom? What patterns have you noticed since we started doing MS Teams and Zoom call all the time? I see people swigging coffee or mm. water or even a can of Coke. Yeah. Um, in no work interactions have I seen people drinking anything stronger, although frequently, if I'm catching up socially, uh, one or other of us will have a glass of wine, because why not? Whenever people have that same situation, that when they're finishing their lunch, they're always mortified. They're incredibly embarrassed. They will almost always go on mute, yeah, and they will often turn their camera off until they've finished eating. Yes. Uh, it just seems incalculably rude for reasons that I can't quite put my finger on, but it may be connected with the fact that no matter what anything, what else is going on, I cannot possibly share this with you. Yes. And to be fair, it would be odd to turn up with a ham and cheese baguette, which I was intending to eat, and then say, would you like half of this? Because it's my yeah. lunch. It's not like a plate of biscuits where clearly we can share them out. Uh, but you, you, you cannot even offer it over Zoom. Uh, no, you can't. Maybe it's, also it's just that people don't like to be observed while they eat. I unless, of course, everyone else is eating too. And there's also there's something that uh, the thing is that microphones kind of pick up the kind of the sort of the animal nature of the person eating in a way that uh, that just being in a space together doesn't have the same kind of resonance, I think. Yeah, my objection to you eating your fig rolls has nothing to do with you eating and me not, uh, and everything to do with the microphone picking up all of your rustling packaging. Yeah, that's terrible. Incredibly nice. <laughs> I'll put it over there so it's out of the way. I was thinking about the element of whose space we are in. Um, so, for example, if you're if you're a guest of my territory, then it's very much my job to make you feel welcome and safe. I'm going to give you non-poison food in you know, good non-poison food in large quantities, um, uh, or certainly offer it straight away. Make sure that you, uh, you're, you're properly fed and watered. Um, and, uh, and then if I'm around in your place, I, some version of the same kind of offer will happen. Um, but but equally, there'll be, there'll be rules mm. that you may not even appreciate our rules that are to do mm. with your way of doing things in your household that will be unfamiliar to me. Yes. And so, again, you have to make a decision about... This is what we do. Yeah, how, much, versus, how much do I explain the rules in advance yeah. just so that, yeah, so that you're playing a game happily rather than clumsily or something about... Yeah, but then there's also this question of, this, uh, of, of that third place in between. So the office rather than somebody's home. Or a restaurant. Yeah. Or, or working a lunch. Yeah. Yeah, uh, sort of the, the 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 when you go out and and eat together, it's not something actually I've done an awful lot of. I think sort of the working lunch with uh, with work colleagues. Whenever I have done it, I've always been very aware of sort of telling people in advance, "This is my treat rather than your treat," or or agreeing that it's their treat rather than mine. You know, there's the uh, ultimately there's going to be a bill for this. Best thing to do is to uh, uh, excuse yourself to go to the loo. Pay the bill as you're passing. <laughs> Come back and sit down. <laughs> Already done. Yeah. Um, so um, thank you. Have you got any kind of a particular um, uh, sort of signals that eating and drinking have either been received by you or you consciously said, please do get in touch with us and let us know what they are? And your homework this week is, is next time somebody offers you a cup of tea or coffee in uh, a communication context, always say yes. 
um, whether you're going to drink it and put it in the pop lunch. And if you'd like to talk to us about the other work that we do, why not come and see us? Because that is apparently something we're now allowed to do. Uh, and we will buy you coffee and cake uh, and we will pick up the bill. Uh, we uh, work with people on things like better negotiations, better presentations, building client relationships, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so if you're interested in any of these offers, give us a call on 020778840080 or send us an email info at the hyphen spontaneity hyphen shop.com. Thank you very much for listening. If you're ever at one of our open events, we always make sure that there are decent sandwiches at lunchtime for people to eat. Um, and uh, do tune in uh, and, uh, and pick up our next podcast in a week's time. I'm Alex. And I'm Tom. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. You have been listening to You Can Talk to Anyone with Alex McLaren and Tom Solinsky. The producer for The Spontaneity Shop was Tom Solinsky. You Can Talk to Anyone is distributed exclusively by Acast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.